What do we do about forgiveness? Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And these keys are principles to not only unlock us, but to lock us from hurting ourselves. But the key of forgiveness. So AJ had nothing to do with Joanne. Don't, so don't give her the stink out there in church. I know a lot about it. Modestly, I know a lot about it. I just choose to not say much because I'm your pastor. But in the miracle of the loaves and fishes, they had about 35,000 to 50,000 they were about to feed only with five barley crackers and two sardine minnows that a kid was in his pocket. And Philip said, where in the world and how in the world can we feed all these people? And Philip said, I got a bright idea. Let's send them back to town. That's what he's saying. You know what he's saying? We're limiting God, what God can do here. And Jesus said, we're not sending them back to town. You bring them to me. And I will feed their need. When it comes to forgiveness, I don't have to send you to Dr. Phil and Sister Oprah. I don't have to send you to psychologists and, and psychopathic people to help you. We've all been hurt and we've all been injured and we've all had some things happen, but I'm telling you, we don't have to go looking for secular things to be spiritually healed because you're seeking a natural thing to heal a spiritual problem. So I'm telling you, we don't have to send anybody to anywhere. I'm just telling you, come and take a seat. And the Lord will feed your need dealing with this issue. Next week, we're going to roll up our britches leg and we're going to get off in it. So he's not here this morning, but he wasn't my best friends. But some of you, you've had your feelings hurt and somebody stuck their tongue at you and somebody said, no, I understand. But what do you do when Darren Miller's mother was murdered when he was 13? A guy walked into a flyer shop, laid her on the ground and shot her in the back of the head. Now, what do you do with that? Now, he's not here today and I'm glad he's not here, but he'll be here next week. He's at the lake and I'm glad he's there. But what do you do with that? How do you forgive that? So don't come whining about somebody who hurts your feelings. What do you do when somebody murdered the very ones that you love? What happens when you have to bury a baby? What happens with that type of forgiveness when someone seems to take something that you love the most? So we're going to get into that. Forgiveness is not a suggestion. Forgiveness is a command. If someone, uh, we're going to learn today, there's a thousand answers I'll give you and you won't even ask the questions, but not today. Do I have to give for somebody if they don't repent? Mm -hmm. Do I have to forgive someone that doesn't repent? And not forgiving them doesn't mean that I have unforgiveness. It means they have not repented because God's full of mercy and forgiveness, but yet men are still going to hell. So is God unforgiving? Don't answer that. Absolutely not. So Luke chapter 17, 
This is a, in a parabolic form. And we're going to start out very simple, but you will definitely need to take pictures or take notes of this because if you haven't had your feelings hurt or somebody's hurt you, then evidently you were born yesterday. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and 4. Take heed. It means kateko in the Greek. It means you better get a hold of yourself. You better get a tight grip. You better get a hold on yourself. You better get a hold on your mind. You better get a hold on your emotions. You better get a firm grip. Because if your brother trespasses against thee, rebuke him. This word in the Greek means to tell him to stop it. Quit it. It's an Old Testament word, Malachi, about the, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, there's another word to rebuke we talked about when he stealed the storm. That's not the same word in the Greek. This word means stop it. If your brother trespasses against you, then tell him to stop it. Quit it. If it's cussing, kicking, or rooting for Texas Longhorn, tell him, quit it. It's amazing in the church, we don't have anybody to set up the guidelines and say, that's, that's not acceptable here. But he said, if your brother, if your brother, the word Adelphus, brother, it means a Christian brother. It doesn't mean a sinful brother. It means brother, Adelphus, the uterus of a woman. If someone that is in the same community of being born again, if he trespasses against you, then what you need to do is just tell him, stop it in private. Just tell him, stop it. It's enough. And if he repents, then forgive him. So next week, we'll talk about these two. They work hand in hand. So verse 4 says this. And if he trespasses against you seven times in one day, and to see the word N-D, there's an and in front of that. And seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, repent. You have to forgive him. In these verses, Jesus will explain the consequences. In the following verses, Jesus will explain the consequences of not forgiving someone that has repented of a wrong saying or doing to you. So what I'm about to do is what I'm really good at this and very modestly, I want to paint you a picture of what's going on here. These men of the last three years have been following Jesus and they've had a lot of verbal and mental and marital attacks against them and they're, they're holding grudges and there's things that's been built up in their lives. If you follow Jesus, the world is not going to like you. They're not going to say, oh, I'm glad you got saved. I'm glad you committed your life to Christ. I'm so happy that you're following the ways of Christ. That's not going to happen. You're going to find that when you start following Jesus, that men are going to hate you because the scripture says that men are going to hate you. Here's how you know the kingdom's really working in you. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. But if he repents, forgive him. The word forgive in the Greek, it's, it's, it's a word really that was used by Alexander the Great. And here's a simple, we're going to get to it, but if you don't know this, the word, the word forgive, it, it, it's, 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 it's an occupational word as much as it is anything. It's for a trapper to set a trap, to, to want to catch something, like a, a beaver or something or something. It's a trap. And instead of catching the beaver, he catches a turtle dove. And the word forgive is, I let the thing go. I let it go. 
Now, I will tell you, we'll get into it, that while setting that trap, if in my backyard, if I catch a, a seven-foot rattlesnake, I'm not going to let it go. <laughs> I will remove his head. We'll get to that in three weeks. So the word forgive, by the time Alexander the Great got it and the Greeks got it, it means somebody caused something in the trap that really didn't belong in the trap. And so therefore, I don't want, I just let it go. Jesus said, if someone repents, let it go. It's a command. You do not have an option. I don't care what has happened to us. We don't have an option not to forgive them. And what happens if they do it seven times in a day? Well, Jesus said, and it's a, it's a parabolic form. Then he said, you, if they repent seven times, you have to forgive them seven times a day. And so what's funny about this, I wrote this, is that Jesus here is speaking about getting rid of bitterness and unforgiveness. Because step one, not forgiving someone who repents. And number two, bitterness happens if you don't do that. And the Greek word for bitterness is pakria, and pakria was used by Alexander the Great to conquer the Medes and the Persians, that pakria was a plant mixed with water, and it became toxic. He killed their horses, and he killed the soldiers by putting a small, insignificant plant in a, in a body of water, and that plant mixed with water was poisonous. That's where it is. Jesus is telling these men because he has the ability to look in their heart. And he said, I can tell you, you're full of hate and poison and bitterness. But he said, here's the deal. This story has a great turn. So he's telling us in parabolic form that we have to get rid of bitterness and unforgiveness in our life. And he told them that they were to forgive quickly. And if even if someone sinned against them, they had to forgive them immediately. So to forgive someone of one thing a day is a challenge within itself. But when he said that even if they sinned against you seven times and, and they repented seven times, you were to forgive them seven times. And that seemed impossible to them. Matter of fact, it didn't make any sense. So the scripture says that when he made this statement, not only did it sound overwhelming to these men, because this is what verse number 17, verse 5 said. When he said that, look what they said in verse 5. They said, Lord, you're going to have to increase our faith. I don't need you to raise your hand, but I'm going to put yourself in the position of these men that were following Christ. And they've been hurt and they've been wounded and been verbally attacked. They've been verbally assaulted. These things have happened. And I will tell you that we, just like them, that we are not very generous to forgive everyone that hurts us. So we just carry it around and just carry it around. And I'm telling you that you're breaking God's law. If they truly repent. So now you're going to say, well, what happens if they don't repent? And what happens if they die before they repent? Come next week. We'll deal with this. I only have an hour here, Okay. So it's the equivalent of when he says that if someone offends you and they repent, forgive them. But he said, now then, if they sin seven times, you have to forgive them seven times in one day. That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. Especially somebody in the church. 
So anyway, I wrote this. The Lord, they're saying this, Lord, to be honest, we don't know if we have enough faith to forgive so many times in one day, so you're going to have to increase our faith if this is going to be done. So this is where he's at with these gentlemen about forgiveness. And he's about to give them a wonderful parabolic lesson about the sycamine tree and forgiveness and bitterness. So number one, we have been commanded as Christians to forgive if someone has repented. Okay? If they haven't repented, we will deal with that next week. So let's say somebody did something to you. Philip, I did something to you. I didn't mean to. I, I shouldn't have said it. And I want to come to you and say, Philip, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm dealing with Danny and music, and I'm just sorry. <laughs> and you know what? You'd have to say, you know, I understand the people you deal with. I forgive you. And we let it go. And then I turn around 15 minutes and do the same thing. And every time I do it, somehow you're going to get the idea. I don't think he means this. But it's your responsibility to forgive, and it's my responsibility to repent. And in that, you're going to need a greater walk with God. And matter of fact, the word increase our faith is a, an oxio is a word. It means that one of the, watch this, don't go to sleep on me. The greatest amount of faith that you'll ever need in your Christian walk is learning to forgive someone that has wronged you. Remember what Jesus said? <clears throat> He's going by and the, and the man, he healed him on the Sabbath. And they said, you can't do that. And listen to what the Lord said. Which is it easier for me to forgive sin or heal the sick? It's all the same to me. Just because it's harder for you doesn't mean it's harder for God. So the word increase, anoxio, is a word that means that you, it's going to take every spiritual vitamin in your spiritual medicine cabinet to forgive someone that has wronged you and wronged you multiple times. Ask me how I know that. You don't want to know. And you may say, oh, well, you know a few scriptures and a poem. It's easier for you to give. Huh. No, I've just got more artillery to shoot at them. But sometimes, once again, the keys are to lock it up. So they're saying, Lord, of all the things that we've seen and been around, we are going to need more of your strength, more of your presence, more of your word, more of your faith in us to deal with this. You can get over a lot of things, but it's hard for you to get over somebody who's wronged you. So, let's begin. Luke chapter 17, verse 6. It all goes together. So the Lord said that if you had a faith of a grain of mustard seed, that you must say unto this. See the word this? This. He's pointing to a tree. When he uses the word this, it's, 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 he's pointing to a specific tree. He said, you can say to this, sick of mine, be thou plucked up by the roots and 
and be planted into the sea, and it will obey you. Now, I know the charismatic people and the faith healers, I know they got this down the path, but they have misused and molested this scripture so long that it's sickening. That's not even what he's talking about. When he's talking about taking this, this thing and plugging it into the sea, it has nothing to do with anything about great faith of anything. He's dealing with the subject matter is what? Forgiveness. The subject matter is forgiving someone that has trespassed against you. So he says, this sycamine tree, you can say to it and be plucked up and thrown into the sea. Now, there's a couple things I want you to see. This is a sycamine and it's not a sycamore. This is not a misprint in the King James. And Jesus is about to compare the sycamore tree to unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. And they're not getting the picture yet, but they will. So he's looking in their heart and, and they got all this unforgiveness and this hate and this anger going on because they've, they've committed their life to Christ. They've denied themselves. And now they, they got all this stuff that has been built up resentment. And he said, here's the deal. If you really want to be free from stinking thinking and, 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 and awful attitudes that has been building up in your life and I can see them and I can smell them coming out of your mouth, then here's the deal. This menacing growth that is going on in your life, that the only way that you're going to deal with it is that you're going to have to learn this parable. And that's what he's telling them. These are some facts concerning the sycamine tree. Number one, it is not a sycamore tree. Sycamore is the word for a sycamore. Sicky is the word for a fig or where we get a word in, the, I think in the NIV it's called a mulberry fig. The prefix of the word is Sicky, and it means a fig, a sycamore. The sycamine is only used one time in the scripture, and it's here. Sycaminos is the word. There are two specific different species of fig trees here. Number two, the sycamine tree was known by its bitter fruit. You couldn't eat it. You couldn't eat it whole. It was referred to as the fruit of the poor. It was a pauper fruit. The mulberry in the NIV will use the, this word mulberry, but it's, it's really a, a, it's just a slash of, needs to be corrected. This is not a mulberry bush, a mulberry tree. It is a sycamine specifically. Because Jesus is about to prove a point, what's going on in your men's life. The, the sycamine tree has bitter fruit. Remember the loaves and the fishes? The little boy had what kind of loaves? Barley. Barley was the grain of the poor. The poor could not afford wheat, but they could afford barley. So the little child 
had a two minutes and five little barley wafer crackers because he was poor in his pocket. The word sick of mind, it means that they grew wild, but they were a very bitter, bitter fruit. They had to be taken and you could work some of it, but it was, it was common notice that it was better than starving, but not much. Right up there with possum. I think you can eat a possum, but I don't recommend it. Or a possum on a half shell. That's an armadillo. Well, it doesn't matter. Mulberries or sycamores. Remember, Zacchaeus was in a sycamore tree. Mulberries and sycamore was a very domesticated tree and the fruit was very sweet, but it was very expensive to buy. But a sycamore grew in the wild like it is in a wild olive and a, and a domesticated olive, two different olives in the Bible. The wild olive just wouldn't burn. It wouldn't light a candle. Number three, the sycamore tree was a preferred wood for building caskets and coffins. Need I say more? And number four, the sycamore tree was a deep-rooted rhizome tree that grew up to 30 feet tall. And they say that no vegetation could survive around in the proximity of 25 feet because being a rhizome that it robbed and stole and it absorbed all the water and the nutrients that no other flowers or grass or small trees could grow around it because its roots were so large that it, it robbed all the nutrients and water from surrounding plants. Sycamore. The thing about unforgiveness, this is what happens to you. It's a bitter fruit in your life. It's poisonous. Not only will it create bitterness, pakria in your life, but the end result, it, it's a coffin at work in your life. Bitterness will kill you. I wish you'd smile at me because I, I, I think that. And number three, not only will it kill you in the end, but this is what happens. Bitterness and unforgiveness, it will rob every ounce of life in your body. You can't even have a good time in church because you're thinking about what somebody did to you last Friday. Let it go. Are they worth it? Just let it go. You, you, can't even, you can't even be free from things because something happened to you when you was in the second grade. Three words, let it go. Somebody said, oh, the last church. Well, who cares what you did in the last church? You're not in that church. If they hurt you, sorry about that. But Jesus said, if you'll read your Bibles in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it is impossible to think that you, offenses will not come your way. It's the, same, it's the same verses. So a sycamore tree is really basically a rhizome. A rhizome is like alfalfa and Johnson grass. And for you that don't know that, that's why you don't allow these, these weeds to be in your garden. A terror. A terror in the Bible, that's what, it's not a lookalike. Who cares if it's a lookalike? 
It's a rhizome, Johnson grass, alfalfa. Johnson grass will get underneath the soil and it'll lock on to your fruits and vegetables in a garden and it will rob all the nutrients and all the water from the plants that you want it to bear fruit. That's why you pull Johnson grass out. He said, sycamine trees that is operating in your life. And they knew, they knew it was a bitter fruit. They knew they couldn't eat it. They knew that you really had to doctor it up with some honey and some molasses and they eat portions of it. They nibbled on it. And that's funny because here's the deal. You always want to nibble on unforgiveness. You don't want to eat the whole thing at one time. You always want to nibble on it. And every time you nibble and you hear the preacher, don't go back to that. And you go, I won't. And you go home in the car and you, go, and you, and, and you get sick all over again. Quit it. You're nuts. <laughs> Who cares if your mom and dad was a little harsh on you? Who cares if somebody hurts you? I'm sorry. But how long are you, how long are you going to carry around a pocket full of poison? All it's doing is poisoning you, making you bitter. And all it's doing is it, you, you, are, you are a coffin under construction. And for the last growing up at the age all my life, I'm telling you, I lived in a home of complete bitterness. Complete. So don't look at me and don't cross eyes at me thinking that I don't know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about because I watched it poison my family, period. And I watched it poison me, period. It'll kill you. But not only that, it will rob you of life. It will, it will, unforgiveness is like a sycamine tree with these huge expanding roots and nothing is growing. Nothing of God is growing. There's no life. There's no joy. There's no worship. There's no praise. There's not anything because unforgiveness is robbing you of every thought and every emotion that is somewhere hidden beneath the surface of your skin. And not only are you mad at other people, but you're mad at God because it happened. And there's some things I have an answer for, and there's some things that I don't. But I will tell you one thing. He's looking at these men, and this is what he's saying. He said, you're just like this sycamine tree, not a sycamore tree, but a sycamine. You're wild, and you're, you're untamed, and, and you're unchallenged, and you're unstructured, and there's bitter fruits in your life, and, 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 it's, and it's made to build caskets and coffin out of. But here's the deal. There's no joy in your journey with me because you haven't learned to forgive someone has wronged you and I'm telling you if they have wronged you and if they have repented you have got to forgive them and let them go and when you let that dove go and watch him fly off you don't get a 12 gauge and just go watch this kaboom I mean that's not what we're talking about here we'll get to that in week four you don't have a choice I said, you don't have a choice. So don't come to me with some what counselor told you. You don't have a choice. If someone has repented, and there's five words in the Greek for repent. We'll get to that in week six. But if someone truly repents, that a new Christian that is stumbling, and 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 I don't know about you, but I'm not I'm gonna speak for myself. I've been saved and I've been saved for a long time, but I think I've I've made, I probably have made more than one or two mistakes since I gave my life to Christ. I know it's hard for you to believe. I know. I know you're shocked. 
But the Father is so merciful and so giving. But what is he waiting on? For me to say two magic words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he picks me up and he dusts me off. And he says, let's try it again. Before long, that little one-year-old, he's, he's with, with unskilled legs, he's, he's, he's going to start stepping. He don't walk now because everybody wants to carry him, but it won't be long. It won't be long. He'll be stepping. And he'll take a step and he'll fall. And I'm not going to say, you're no son of mine. I'm going to reach and grab him. And I said, now, let's try it again. So what happens is that we're dealing with people and we're dealing with situations that men truly have a heart to repent. They have a heart to repent and they're going to say dumb things and do dumb things. And we're not talking to somebody that is maliciously, that's not a Christian. We will deal with that. I'm just talking about right now, Christians. So here's the bottom line. There's a poisonous fruit. They make caskets out of it and it will absorb and rob you of today's joy. And you got to get rid of it. And, 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 and here's, here's, the, here's the spoiler. It's not going to be easy. And the disciple says, if I'm going to do this, it will take every amount of faith that you can increase in my life. It's going to take it. I'm going to need it. Have you ever tried to forgive someone? I'm not even going to look. I said, have you ever tried to forgive someone? It's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, truly forgive someone. It's not easy. That, that has repented. It's not easy. But it's liberating. We've all been hurt. But who's really the prisoner here? <laughs> See? So, here's the bottom line. Unforgiveness is a sin. Unforgiveness is not an emotion. It's not a weird feeling. It's a sin. Hamartia in the Greek. Hamartia in the Greek is an archery term. Hamartia means you set up a target, somebody backs up, takes a bow and arrow, and they miss the target. They sinned. The Bible says about the tribe of Benjamin with slingshots. You read it. The tribe of Benjamin, they never sinned with a slingshot. That's what it says. They never missed. Hamartia is sin. It means, it means to miss the mark. It's not the original sin in 1 John 1 and 7. It's the other sins, 1 John 1 and 9. Unforgiveness is a sin. And that will not only cause bitterness, but it will absorb every thought and action out of us. And they will bear you in it. And unforgiveness is a confident work. Unforgiveness is as damaging as being enslaved to meth or mind-altering drugs or even alcoholism. It will eat away as cancer in the body. It'll get you. 
So I know this morning there's a whole room full of people here that absolutely your, your emotions are on a roller coaster and you go, man, I can't hardly wait till Wednesday to write a card out. <laughs> and you got all this what ifs and what ifs and blah, 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 blah. I, 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 I understand. But just hear me out. I'm dealing with a Christian brother and a Christian sister. I'm not talking about my, my, my simple in-laws and outlaws and your, your next-door neighbors that gets on your nerves. And I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about somebody in the faith that, that hurt you or said something wrong or, or crossed the line, and then they came to you and say, from my heart as a Christian brother, I need you to forgive me. I wronged you. You have no choice but to forgive them. Oh, you have a choice but I'm going to show you what the consequences of not forgiving them. We are commanded to forgive. You don't have a choice, but you do have a choice. So here it is. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 through 17. This is about a Christian brother hurting you, asking for your forgiveness and you're no so quick to do that. And you may say, well, why wouldn't somebody want to forgive? Well, it's going to be next week or the week after, but here's the deal, because you love to manipulate people. It's witchcraft. To hold them captive against their will, that's kidnapping. You don't have a right to incarcerate people that's asked for forgiveness. We'll deal with that. It's, it's crazy. Did I, did I tell you, y'all are nuts? Did I tell you all that? If you hold unforgiveness against somebody that's really repented, now once again, if they haven't repented, then we're going to deal with that. But I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that I have unforgiveness in my life. We're waiting for this wonderful partnership to happen because God has commanded all men to repent. Then why isn't He forgiving everybody? Why is the scripture says that hell has enlarged himself? So Peter says that, that God has commanded all men to repent. So why isn't God forgiving all men? He's waiting them to repent. To smote their breast with, with an honest and pure heart. I have sinned against you. Come into my life. I need a Savior. And God applies the blood of Jesus to our life. But the blood of Jesus and the redemption work of God is, is resting upon man's repentance towards God. Yeah, I'll be here next week. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, 17. This is, this is so powerful. I couldn't hardly wait. I hadn't slept in five days. I haven't. I tried to give this to Gayla. She goes, oh, just kill me now. Just get this over with. So when you read Hebrews, you understand Paul is talking to the upper crust of the Jews. We're not talking about a bunch of skid row back rows, plumbers, prostitutes, preachers, plumbers, all the people. We're, we're, we're talking about the, the creme of the creme, the, the Hebrews. He said, work at getting along with each other and with God or otherwise you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Let's stop right there. Listen, what does that mean? I thought they were saved. They are. Remember what he said? Blessed, the first thing he said in Beatitudes, blessed is the pure of heart, for they shall see God. The word 
Blessed are the pure, kathros. It means a catheter has been inserted because you're poisoning yourself. And he said, the word of God is like a catheter. And John 15 and three, my word has made you clean. And as God begins to stick a catheter in you, it stings like the devil. But what does it do? It gets rid of the poisons in your life. You don't need somebody to stick a knife in your back. You don't need somebody to put a gun in your head. All you need is, is for you to be turned loose by yourself and become disobedient to God. You will poison yourself. That's why you're here. And you go, oh, that message stung. Good. But I'm trying to get the poison out of you. Because poisonous parents produces poisonous children. So he said, blessed are the pure of heart because you will see God. The word see God doesn't mean like in heaven. It means you'll see God everywhere you go. Remember eating breakfast? He's eating breakfast and he said, hey, these eggs are good. Pass me the salt. And by the way, did you know you were the salt of the earth? When your heart is being catheterized with the things of God, you'll see God in everywhere you go. You'll see it on the beauty of the sunrise. You'll see it in the beauty of the sunset. You'll see it in the beauty of a child. You'll see it when your oldest son moves away from home, goes somewhere else. You'll see all the beauty of it. I'll see it in the ocean. I'll see it in landscape. I'll see it in you. And my heart is right with God and, and, and the poisons have been removed from my life. I'll see your true beauty every time that you sit in front of this platform. And really, you're a pretty good looking bunch. So this is what he said. You won't even get a glimpse of God. Why? Why, why won't you see God? It don't mean when you get to heaven. It means you really won't have a relationship with God. Why? It's because you're not getting along with other people. Turn to somebody and say, I love you. He's not even talking about me and you. Scoot a little closer to them. It'll make them, it'll convince them. So what blinds us? What hinders us? Not getting along. It gets better. So make sure no one of you gets left out of God's generosity. It means forgiveness. And by the way, keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent, bitterness. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. He said, just a little bit of unforgiveness, it'll ruin your whole garden. It will. Now watch this. And watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then, watch this, do not close me out. It was too late. Tears or no tears. One of the greatest verses that I've learned 25 or 30 years ago is this one. And I've never publicly talked about it in the church because it makes people uncomfortable, but you asked for it. You're falling into the Esau syndrome. You're not getting along with the brethren in the church. You're not forgiving people that have hurt you in the church. So now then, what did Esau do? God told him as the eldest, 
You have the birthright. You have the blessing. The covenant of the firstborn is upon you. And he comes home hunting one day. And his little brother, he's got a can of raviolis cooking somewhere. And he said, I'm so hungry. All I want is a bowl of soup. I'll trade my birthright just to satisfy what I want at the moment. And he did. And he did. And when he did, he lost the blessing of the birthright that moment over a bowl of soup. Tears or no tears, God never retracted it back. If you're not careful, by harboring unforgiveness, you're following into the same Esau syndrome. You're trading the blessings of the birthright as a son and daughter of God over feeding a stinking sin of unforgiveness. No wonder there's no joy in your house. No wonder there's no joy in your heart. No wonder there's no laughter in your home. No, no wonder there's no praising when you walk in the door because you have, you have fallen into the Esau syndrome. You said, I don't care what God said. I'm going to feed my unforgiveness. I'm going to feed my flesh. I want, I am J.B. Wentworth and I want it now. <laughs> if that's his name, I don't know. And God said, are you sure about that? He said, I'm sure. And he said, all right. You have traded your birthright of sons and daughters of God, of, of the blessings of the birthright, because you're more interested in feeding an appetite of unforgiveness more than you're willing to obey the commandment of God. And he regretted it. And what did God have to say about this? What's this? How did God feel about him doing this? Here's the scripture. For the Lord said that Esau I have hated, but Jacob I've loved. You see this morning that what Esau did, he's no different than you and I. We were born with a covenant blessing. We were born with the birthright blessing. We were born with, with the first fruits. We were born with it. And God gave him instructions of how to take care of it. And I, I told somebody this today, we got to go, we got to go. But here's the deal. Some of you people can't take care of the anointing of God. That's, that's where they got in trouble. There's been many been on this stage that never could take care of the anointing of God. They didn't know how to manage it. There are consequences by not taking care of the gifting of the gods that God has given you. So here's the deal. The Esau syndrome this, that people in the church, that they're not getting along and they're not forgiving one another. And not only are they not seeing God, they can't see God if God was in front of them. But they got all the motion, they got all the payroll, they got all the salary, but they're not seeing what this thing is about. This life is about knowing the kingdom of God in this life. Seeing His goodness, distributing His goodness, bearing fruit wherever we go. But the problem with that is that we've held grudges. And unforgiveness is that we've held on to it so tightly that we, as like Esau, you can have it 
All I want to do is feed my unforgiveness. And God said this morning, are you sure about that? Because Esau regretted it in his whole life. Here we quit. Even though that Esau was the firstborn, and even though that Esau was in line for the birthright blessing, but God said, I hated the decision he made. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. The blessings of God belongs to you. The gifting of God belongs to you. Love and forgiveness and joy and righteousness and, and right mindedness All these things belong to you. But you're saying this more, well, how come they're not operating in my life? And here's the question. Is there unforgiveness and bitter fruit growing in your life because you have not forgiven someone who has repented to you? And you'll say to me, well, well, you don't know what they did. I don't care what they did. Did they repent? And all I'm telling you, don't trade it in. There's no, there's no life like living for Christ. So if someone's wronged us and they repented, let's let it go. Because I want to see God. I want to see God everywhere I go. I want to hear His voice. I want to feel His presence. I want to sense His touch. And it's kind of hard to do that when someone's sitting beside you, you're mad at them over something that happened a long time ago. We're bigger than that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm bigger than that. So through the years, if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. But you know what? I just choose not to, fear, to feed my unforgiveness like Esau. I want the blessings of God. I want everything that belongs to me that he said that I could have. But I've got to do it God's way. That's the easy lesson there. Father, this morning that from now on that we are going to read Luke 17 and we're going to put ourselves beside that sycamine tree as he pointing to it and, and understanding that it's a bitter fruit. It's a wood that has the ability and they make coffins and caskets out of it. But because it was a rhizome that it suffocated and destroyed and it robbed all living plants that was around it. And this is the only way that we know how to deal with this is just bring it to you. And we're just bringing it to you this morning. And your word has told us clearly how to deal with it. And your word has clearly told us this morning what will happen to us if we will not deal with it. And one of the the most terrifying things to be said that was said about Esau that, that we're no different from him, that you hated his decision. And God, from the bottom of our hearts, it, we're terrified to think that you would say in public that you hated us. 
because we were more interested in satisfying a fleshly appetite than we was in honoring the blessing of the birthright. Father, this morning, only by the Holy Spirit, would you please invade the hearts of these people and let them know that there's no thing in this life that is worth losing the heritage of a birthright over. There's no sin, there, there's, there's no words, there's no actions that we can harbor in our life that's worth us missing out on the life of God in this life. Not a one. And we run across people every day that are lost and they're confused because they don't see you and know you. And so we just bring you our unforgiveness. And we say publicly, if someone has repented of something and we have not truly let them go, it's a sin. And it's hindered my walk. It's hindered my life. It's hindered my vision for you. It's hindered everything in my life. It has absorbed and destroyed everything around the root system of Pakria. And Father, I'm going to make an announcement in front of these people this morning. Things that's happened to me and my family and it's not worth poisoning me over. I'm dropping it. Their unkind words and their unkind actions, it ain't worth it. I, I want to be a man that understands the blessing of the birthright from now on. I'm going to let it go. They're not worth it. You're worth it. So this week, would you just move upon the hearts of this congregation as you prepare us, as you increase our faith to help us unlock us, that we will live for you in a way that we've never known through forgiveness as you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, amen. Hey, let's stand this morning. Can we do that? Turn about two people and three people four people, give them a hug and say, I love you. I'm, I'm going to get along with you. I really want to get along with you. I'm so tired of not seeing God. Go ahead and mingle for a minute. I'll give you 30 seconds. Go ahead. Man, let's get it out. Don't come up here. I'll run from you. Go get it out. You'll scare me. Don't go to the people you like. Go to the people you're having trouble getting along. And sure enough, don't come up here. <laughs> Communion service, come on, please. This lesson is the easy one. It's so easy. It's learning to forgive a Christian brother or sister that has wronged you and repented. That's so simple. Next week, we're going to deal with people that hurt you and they haven't repented and they really meant to hurt you. What do we do with that? Or someone that has hurt you 
and that are no longer alive. What are we going to do with that? Jesus said, I will feed your need. Just come to me. Forgiveness, Father, this morning is, is, is a great feeling. To open the cage and let people go, they're not worth it. Holding grudges like Esau is not worth it. Feeding an appetite of selfish unforgiveness is not worth diminishing my side about you. It's not worth it. I let them go. And I'm pursuing the high calling of Christ. Some of you are going to understand the next few weeks it's hard to pursue God while you're dragging a thousand people in the back of your mind. Let it go. So that night Jesus sat down with his disciples just somewhere 10 days later than Luke 17. And he took the bread and he took the cup and he said, For years, you've been celebrating the, the covenant of the Passover, the, the bread that the Father sent down from heaven, the manna and quail, and your fathers did eat of it, but yet they hungered again. But Jesus told the men in John 6, but I am the bread of life, and if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And he took the cup and he lifted it up. And he said in the first Passover, it was the ram's blood that was taken in the shape of a cross the Abaddon, the death angel, would pass over that house. But Jesus said, but now I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And my Father will take my blood in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For every one of you this morning that celebrate Holy Communion, not only are we going to remember what Christ did for us, but we got to remember what He has told us today. Let it go. Follow him. You'll thank me later. It's a wonderful feeling of being free. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread. And all the partake of it will find life in Jesus' name. Amen.